Did I hang in there? That Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. All right, Smiley, we are back here for another episode. I feel like last week, a little bit sleepy coming off major championship. 3M Open was nice finish, obviously. Friend of the pod now, Lee Hodges gets to win, but a little bit kind of lower key. And then this week we thought maybe was going to be lower key, but then we had ton of news in the golf world. Uh, we had, uh, obviously, this was a de facto play into the playoff event, so a ton of intrigue there. Um, but I don't, you want to start with a little little golf weekend action? I'm out. In, I'm out in California playing a little. You yeah, know, yeah. yeah no, I, I want to. I want to hear about your weekend because not very many people get to have the weekend you just had playing in the father's son to golf tournament at Cypress point. I mean, it's just, it's what dreams are made of. Um, <laughs> I want to hear, uh, how was the golf course? How was the weather? Um, were the nights late or were they were getting to bed early, nice and rested. How was it, the golf game? Just give me the whole deal. It's, it's a, it's a lot, man. So much to unpack there. Let's just go through it as best we can. So, uh, I mean, this is probably the coolest tournament that I've ever played in. And, and my is this whole, first time, first time, first time. Uh, okay. That's a big and, deal. And it, it's sort of an interesting thing because like my granddad's been a member there for a long time, but for, he's had, he has four daughters. And for a number of years, it was all the son-in-laws that played in it. Right. So, you know, my dad, my uncle, stuff like that. Um, then it kind of a certain point flipped over to the grandkids. Uh, there are several grandkids in our family that are better at golf than I am. So they naturally got the nod first. My granddad likes to win. Understandable. Uh, my, my brother, David got the nod last year. I think they won their flight, but did not win overall. Um, then my uncle got into Cyprus, which is amazing. So he, that took like three grandsons off the board. They're playing with him now. So it oh, cleared the way for a little, yeah, a little, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like they opened up a few more exemptions, you know, you know, a little, a little extra action for the rest of us. So yeah, this is the first time I got the nod. I guess it's the 26th one they've done at Cyprus. And, um, so we were, uh, and, and, it, and I, I think I was reminded num- a number of times by people there. It's like, Hey, they've had it 26 times. And your granddad's probably won about 24 or 25 of them. <laughs> no, no, no pressure at all. It's like, great. This is going to go really, really well for me. Um, so we started, I started the weekend off in a great place by getting into San Francisco, like really, really late on Thursday night. I thought there was going to be a practice round on Friday. It was not, there was a match at 9 30 AM. So, uh, I, I late, I got, I got to Pebble beach at like 1 AM stopped in and out on the way, by the way, just, I can't, yeah, I'm a, where was your headspace going into thinking you get a practice round? You're right. You're right into it. I don't think you were in a, that good of a spot. <laughs> Not, not great at all. I think we exchanged texts about this. Like I am, uh, I, I need a practice round. I'm a guy that, especially <laughs> these days, like going from playing a ton of golf and like heading into tournaments, at the club, you get a little bit of time to kind of figure out what's right or wrong with your game. It's like, now it's, you know, we, we have, you know, young children, we have work during the week. It's like, I'm just showing up, hitting the ground running. So that first event I was, or that first, that first nine hole match, I was almost just like, maybe if I just don't think about this at all, like it, it'll be, it'll be fine. Like just don't overthink any shots. So shotgun, we go off on, on 15, which is that little short par three at Cyprus, the, the kind of the cove juts in there. And so 15, 16 start, like the stuff of nightmares. So on 15 and we're playing a better ball in this, this, these first two days. So I hit a nice little like smooth gap wedge on, 
on 15 to like maybe like 20 feet uh leave the leave the first putt like way short because i'm i'm super nervous but but make the par and i'm like all right things are going to be good like this is going to be fine uh get to the 16th tee you know it's like a 225 yard shot or something over the water snap hook it into the water on the left so it's just like all right this is <laughs> this is already like this is going bad we have the pole hooks uh i'm gonna i'm gonna uh before you um yeah, try to please. describe the 17th hole I think everyone's aware what 15, 16, 17 at Cyprus looks like. So I think you can just go and assume you don't have to lay it out. The picture we we've all seen the pictures <laughs> just before you get <laughs> describing it. It's like, well, we know, we know. I'm I'm assuming you, you know, either know what I'm talking about or you can easily go and Google this. Uh, <laughs> so we, we actually, we, that match, we were kind of down for a while and then battled back and, and got a tie there. So a little five, five tie to start to start the weekend off, which you're like, okay, you, the whole goal of day one is you don't, don't play yourself. You can play yourself into the lead, but you don't want to play yourself out of it. So it's like, of that's course. fine. Then the afternoon was awesome. So it's this thing called the Montreche cup where it's all the sons playing a one club tournament. So they randomly pair you with a B and C players. You each get one club and you only get three balls total. Once you lose all your golf balls, you got, you got to go back to the clubhouse and drive the beverage cart out and supply everyone with, with, uh, refreshments as you play the rest of the loop. And it, and the loop is one 14 through 18. Mm. So we we'll start a uh, seven iron, seven. Yeah. Iron. I feel like that's the right play. It, it was definitely, it, it came in handy. I hit a sick bunker shot on one, just open face, like green side bunker, splash <laughs> that thing out to like 15 feet. I was like, that was so dope. Like that was one of the coolest shots I've ever in my life. Um, Part of me thinks I would pick like a three wood. That would. Okay. So I played a one club tournament at home in Durham where I used a two iron and yeah. it, it was so good on the putting green. Like I, I almost, I made one like 20 footer and narrowly missed like two other 25 footers. Like this was like, not a, it, it could, it gets a little get, bit dicey in the in-between times, you the know, bunkers, but uh, like a greenside bunker, I guess you could probably get a two iron out better than a three wood like, or just yeah. getting out of the bunker to where you, then you can hit the next one kind of depends on lip height, right? Like you can, like you, we've all seen the the old guys <laughs> got the putt out of the bunker you know, like just runs it up the lip. Like you can maybe do that. But I think, yeah, for the most part, like if the, if it's, if it's even a reasonably high lip, like there's just no chance. Um, so, so we had, we, we made a, we had a shotgun. We started an 18, made a cool 10. I was like, I, I, t- I hit a seven iron off the tee and like 18, you got to hit like a five or four iron to get it like over this tree to give you a clean shot. It's like a dog leg right up the hill. So we were like 18, 18. Yeah. So we were short there. And <laughs> like, do you this, stand on that hole? What do you mean? Oh, it's, it's a really interesting debate because it's like a lot of people dump on it as like a, you have this amazing scenic run along the ocean. And then you're like coming back inland with this funky sort of dog leg. I think it's a great, it, it's a great like separator. Like if you're coming down the, the down the, the stretch in a match and you want something where it's like, you really got to kind of place that tee shot carefully and then hit a semi blind up to aim though. It's, it's just, a, it is. it's, it's so odd. I, it's not my favorite. I think it's a cool second shot, but it's right. just a, it's more of a seventh hole than it is an 18th hole is where I stand. That T-shirt, <laughs> I, I agree with you there. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, surely I can cut more off to the right, right? Like surely I can go further right. Of the t- and then you hit it up there and you're jailed oh, going up the hill. Dude, I hit three woods so far through the fairway. <laughs> it's, it, it's still going. 
<laughs> and I thought I striked it. He said, yeah, aim at that tree. Well, there's 40 of them out there. <laughs> I hit a, I hit a hybrid in our match that morning that I, I might've hit it off the planet. Like I just like snapped <laughs> into the woods and they, they're like, they, they didn't even attempt to look. They're like, yeah, that's gone. Just you're, you're in pocket for the rest of this, this whole, um, but yeah, so I was like hyping up this, this guy I just met Sam Palmasano jr. Awesome guy. We were we, us and, and we had another partner and, uh, I was like, yeah, you can hit over this tree, man. You can, you can clear with your seven iron. It hits it like straight in the tree drops down the trap. And then we're like trying to like hit all these rescue shots. So we, oh, cart, a cool, we cart a cool 10 on 18. We keep it going. Like not, you know, not playing like, you know, one, I think we made like a seven or something made a legit par on 14 and 15, which was, it's just no small feat with the, with the one club tournament. Um, we did not, we ended up, we did not win uh, the, the mantra shake up. Uh, but we had a couple cool moments. There's like a little, uh, there's like a little kind of out overlook over, um, uh, in between 15 and 16 at Cyprus. And they had like all these, they were like pouring like mantra wine for the I mean, It's the best walk in the world. Like from 14 to 15 and 15 to 16 are probably my f- most favorite walk I've ever had on a golf course. It, it's it and just you're sitting there drinking. Like, so, like, a, <laughs> right, right. That, that was probably the coolest part about it is you're playing it like a silly season. It's like all these holes where you've taken them so seriously for so many years. You're like, oh, we're just doing this for fun now. Like we're drinking wine. We're hanging out. We're like meeting new friends. And like, it's like, you never, you never really get to experience it in that context. Um, but they, but they had like a little sign that like took you off and was like Montreche refill. And you're like, oh, great. Like we're all like walking down this path and you get there and it's like, a bottle of Patron. You're like, Oh God. So we took, <laughs> we took these shots and then I had the tee shot on 16 <laughs> standing over the balls. Like how many, how many golf balls are down there in front of me? Like it was a little, little nervy there, but you know, nice little layup on, on, uh, on 16, but there's a ton of fun playing with those guys. Um, Got to give props to Ed Hurley. son, Todd Hurley, took home the mantra shake up bit like, real real gutsy stuff i think they i don't think they made a single double which is stunning to me like in a one club tournament of that uh, on those holes so props to todd todd and them boys um so yeah so that was that was a one club that was um that was friday night uh really happy i had a late tea time on saturday because uh i needed a little bit of rest (laughs) and recovery um Mm -hmm. sat Saturday, we, um, we, we started out, we played my cousin and my uncle. So my cousin and my uncle ended up winning the flight. Uh, uh, Jamie, Jamie McFarland, David McFarland ended up winning the flight and won the entire tournament, which we, at the time were like, it's a nice little grudge match, but it was, it was, you know, it, it was, they, they deserved to win the whole thing. But so we lost to them in the morning and then we played a match in the afternoon and we were like two down on six green and uh guy we're playing against four jacks the six green so we win the hole then i make a par on seven we win that hole i make a birdie on eight we win that hole and then we have the last hole to win the match so we're like all right we're, we're in this thing um going into going into the final day on sunday um really really cool dinner that night on saturday night we like all the sons wrote letters to their their fathers and grandfathers about like how they, you know, the things they did to kind of encourage their love and golf and like, you know, teach them the game and stuff like that. It was like, you know, super cool idea by the head pro at, at uh, Cyprus Casey. Um, so that, that was a kind of special deal. Um, and then Sunday was, was 
one of the more bizarre formats I've ever played in my entire life. It was like taking like advanced algebra because you were playing alt alt shot, modified alt shot because you, you were teeing off odds and evens, but like everything else was just like, you know, alt shot as we know it um, against two different teams. So it's a six, some, a, a three ball, six, some, and you're playing a match against both teams. And so you're like, you can't like you get up there. It's like you hit a putt. It's like, okay, is that good with you? Yeah. Okay. Is that good with you? No. Okay. All right. We got to mark it and put it, but it's good in this match. And then it was, they reduced the amount of points. So it was like a half point for a hole win, a quarter point for having the hole and no points for losing the hole. So like, I would just at numerous times in the match, like look at this thing and be like, trying to do math in my head and be like, I'm more confused than when I started looking at this car. Like I have no clue. So we, um, we had some, we had some good moments in that match. I, I hold out a sand shot on 15 for birdie. That was pretty sweet. Um, on 15 on 15. Yeah. Wow. It, it was front, it was front pin on 15 and we were in that bunker up front and they, uh, they had, I think both of the other guys were on. And, uh, so I was like, man, I just need to kind of hit this close, make sure we make part and have the hole. And it's like, Oh, how about just, I just hit it in the hole that that also works. Uh, I love to see it. Dude, I had a great day out of the sand. I hit it. I hit a like a 35 yard bunker shot on eight to like two inches for a gimme. I hit a, a open face five iron out of a fairway bunker on six, like on the green from like, I don't even know what it was like, probably like 300 yards, probably three. <laughs> <laughs> like a 195 yard shot. I was like, this is sick, dude. Like, I'm like, I might be good at golf. I had a horrendous day putting. A horrendous uh, week putting. I mean, I'm not going to say I saw that coming, um, but I did. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do. Can't can't <sighs> fix Charlie's putting. Is is uh, I don't know when off season starts for you, but <laughs> that we got to hit it hard. We got too many bad things going on in your putting. We, you've been really kind to offer some suggestions that I tried to implement as best I could this weekend, uh, moving my head around less. Um, but I'm also like looking around the landscape. I'm looking at Lucas Glover winning this week at the window. And I'm saying, <laughs> is it, is it you're broomstick going, time? You're going to go to the broomstick. Is uh, it honestly, broomstick? I don't think that would be a bad idea for you because right now you prefer heavy putters. It seems like because you can keep the path correct, but you move around like a, a Ferris wheel trying to putt. So it's just not going to be any, <laughs> it's just you it's, it's watching like a seesaw when you putt, you go to your front foot on the way back and then you go to your back foot on, on the way through. And it's, it's basically just a reverse pivot for a putting stroke, which is going to cause big time problems. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I saw there were, there were a lot of certified big time problems out there on the green this week. Um, I, I, I do like the counterbalance like jailbird. I like the putter. I just, I'm just not a good putter. What that's what I've come to realize. No, just, no, no. You're going to be, that's, we got to change our, we got to change our, our language. <laughs> we're, we're going to be a good putter. Um, good. We're just not there yet. We're just not there yet. <laughs> we're uh, just not there yet. We're just not there yet. But you, but you're, you, you, you're, uh, you've been committed to helping me get there, which I very much appreciate. And we will get there. I believe that whether or not it's broomstick time. I mean, look, PJ to a superstore. I was waiting for, I was waiting for a club last week and I was rolling that, that, um, what's that, that lab putter, that lab broomstick, the one that Adam has. Oh my God. I was making everything. I made like a 30 footer with that thing diagonal across the green. I was like, I got to put this thing down. because I'm going to walk out with it was just unbelievable. Do you know how many people have walked out of PGA Superstore 
Uh, I'm guessing whoever does the mats for them for the putting green just makes everything (laughs) a funnel because I've never heard somebody say, dude, I, I couldn't miss. I could not miss on the putting green at wherever superstore you're going to try to putt to get a new putter. Like, why wouldn't they like create these funnels to make it to where you make more putts? It's a simple, simple deal. It's, it's, you're hundred percent correct. And I, and it's like, it's amazing. Like I know I'm getting suckered. Like I'm in the moment. Like I'm like, this is, this is a sucker move, but I can't help. But I mean, I'm a, I'm a sicko. I'm a sicko puttering, <laughs> putting tinkerer. I know, I know I have a disease. I can't help it, but I, yeah. I, I I'll, I'll just put a bow on that by saying, Super cool weekend at Cyprus. Uh, don't know if that I, I don't know if I'm going to get the invite back given the the state of my mediocre play this week. But at the same time, um, amazing event they put on. Really cool to be with my granddad. And uh, yeah, man. So, yeah, so dude, you can't beat Cyprus Point. So my weekend does not even compare to that. But I'll you say played Shoal? I played Shoal Friday with one of my roommates from college, Franco Castro. Uh, his brother played on tour. Roberto had a great time. Uh, my brother played as well. And, uh, my buddy AV and yeah, it was a good time. Uh, played really pretty nicely the, at Shoal, And then we played Vestavia the following day, which is a course that I typically just kind of tear up every time I play it. And I just was off. I, I made some swing changes like to try to make some adjustments and going into my off season where I'm about to start playing more golf. I just hadn't had time to work on it. So I started kind of implementing that in Friday's round and saw some good stuff. Like the range session was nice. And then it just did not work at all on Saturday to where I had to pivot and go back to my old swing because I knew at least what that was going to do. <laughs> so, but then when you're kind of crossed between those, then then none of it's just right. So it, I, I wasn't happy with the way I played Saturday, but it's well, so, honestly, so what are you, what are you working matter. on? Like what, what, what do you, what's the type of stuff you're trying to get, you know, where you are now um, to where you want to go? I, I changed uh, to a little stronger of a left hand, um, bowed position at the top to where I can just literally rotate as hard as I want. And I have not been able to get as much width in the golf swing as I'd want to on the downswing and have tried to get to where my arms come down a little bit more in the downswing to where I can kind of get some weight width in my right arm to where it's not like where my left shoulder just doesn't get too high through impact. And so as I'm trying to get my arms down, I just have such fast hips. I kind of, you know, like the old drill that Tiger used to try to have his arms out races, um, his body and his, and his hips. Well, I was, I was trying to do that, but it's just such an awkward feel. And I just made some poor swings where I just, I made some good swings, but just, I want to get the club face a little bit more consistent towards not as open quite as long in the downswing where it's just uh, my left shoulder tends to have to ride up through impact where I'd rather be my arms connected to me and more level. Um, so I think I'm going to keep working on that, but it was not a, it was not a good showing on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, this, I feel like this is, you know, file this in the, in the department of just like, got to spend some time working on the putting changes. You know, I feel like, you know, you, you'll, you'll eventually get there with these changes. What I really want to see is now that we have a freshly launched YouTube page, you know, can we get some smiley uh, swing breakdowns on there? And that's the content that people that got to have, they got, they want. Yeah, no, uh, 
I'll have some time to play some golf coming up. So we'll we'll All see right. what we'll All see right. where we stand. Well, that that's kind of that's our golf weekend synopsis, which is rapidly becoming one of my favorite uh podcast segment staples. Cause listen, we're at the end of the day, we're just a couple golf nerds, man. Can't get away just from trying it. to find it, man. Just love it too much. Trying <laughs> trying to find it. Love it, love it. Enjoying the search. Um and I, I think that, you know, coming off a little bit of a putter tinkering talk, a little broomstick talk, I think that dovetails nicely with uh, the finish this weekend on the PGA Tour at the Wyndham uh, with Lucas Gro- Lucas Glover winning uh, for the for the first time since winning the John Deere in 2021. And prior to that, his last win was 2011 uh, at the Wells Fargo. And I think the big thing for him really has been figuring out the, the putter, uh, going to the broomstick. He went to the broomstick at uh, Memorial. And uh, he, entering this week, he was 180th in strokes gained putting this season. And so there's even been some improvement in that period of time, but still 180th. And this week, at least the most updated stats I looked at before we started recording, he was 15th in the field in strokes gained putting. So I, just starting with, you know, you know, both what you're seeing with, with him and his stroke and his confidence on the greens and just, you know, <laughs> here we are talking about the psyche of, 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 you know, putting and just how it can be such a complex sort of issue or a, a complex, you know, sort of deal where you're trying to kind of figure out, you know, uh, not only the mental side of it, but the physical side of it, the mechanical side of it, you know, and, and, and what a, what a huge impact this has had on Lucas's game. Yeah, no, I, I think with any person that has fought something mental in their game, like Lucas has, and I have fought similar type stuff um, with the golf swing, controlling the golf ball. So we would have been a match made in heaven if I could have just putted for him and he could have uh, hit the driver <laughs> and the irons for me at a, at a period of time. We'd have been a pretty good team. But with that being said, you know, how do you get out of what people label uh, the yips? And we've seen Lucas Glover at the Wyndham Championship have a putt to shoot a 59. And Mm. I don't know how many years ago that was, but he barely caught the heel of the putter on the putt. And then on the way back, same deal ends up shooting 61 and just knowing that's what he's battling. It's just a, this has been going on for a long time now. This isn't just a, um, something that was just a a fluke thing. He had been dealing with the putter woes for quite some time and, he's done a lot of different things to try to, to fix that. And I think all the things that he's done is create new experiences. And what I mean by that is when he makes changes with the putter for the most, for the most part, they're kind of wholesale changes, which I think is pretty smart. Hmm. And some people might say, Oh, well, the bigger, the change you make, the harder it is to get any consistency. I think from a mental standpoint, which is a little, I think 90% of what he was probably battling was, was mental issues with stuff inside of five, six feet or so. When you change to something so different than something you were doing before it, it, it creates almost like a game in your mind. It's like, Oh, I haven't done this before. I have to learn how to do this. And it's like tricking your mind into getting confidence in something new and I think this last change, so he changes to the broomstick. And since the memorial, he's been kind of on a tear with the putter as far as, you know, 
he's like a player, man. If he's just in the top 20 in the putting, he's going to be around the lead because that's how good of a ball striker he is. He's his golf ball makes a total different noise than everybody else's. It's his golf swing and the way he can hit a golf ball is as impressive as anybody on the PGA tour. So combine that with, you know, any week that he's in the top 20 in the putting, it's just, he's going to be right there. And that's what we saw this week at the Wyndham championship. And he made some legit putts down the stretch, some downhill foul. I mean, those greens are fast, man. And he, mm-hmm. he had a lag put on 16 that, that went by probably four feet or so. I couldn't really tell by the camera angle. And I'm thinking in my head, like, wow, this this could be a situation where we have like a four putt, you know, like if he's got any type of nerves going on, he could hit this thing easily six feet by and then, and miss that. And next thing you know, it's a ball game, but he hit it perfect speed right in the middle of the hole. And um, it just felt like he was never going to lose that golf tournament. Once, once he made that putt on 16, the, the putting stuff, golly, just resonates so much in terms of, in your words, creating a game out of it you know, just doing something that feels completely different from what you're doing so that you can try to work at that and, and, and accomplish a new feel and, and, you know, kind of replace the, the old memories of the old files in your head with new ones that, that, you know, don't come with any of the existing baggage you had before. I'm curious on that point, just in changes you made over your career, whether it's full swing putting or whatever else, you know, how do you know, like, cause all that stuff I imagine initially feels uncomfortable. You know, some of the stuff, you know, again, I'm not a tour pro, but some of the stuff that I've done, it's like, this doesn't feel right right now, but how do you make the kind of distinction between this is uncomfortable, but it's the right thing. And if I spend enough time, I can make it comfortable and it'll be right long-term. And this is uncomfortable because this doesn't work biomechanically for me or mentally for me. And you know, at a certain point, I need to say, I need to bail on this and reject this and either go back to the old thing or try something new because it's never going to work for me. That's a great question. And a good player knows pretty quickly because mm-hmm. let's say it's the full swing. Like I, for instance, would go through my entire shot tree and I would try to hit a low draw. I would try to hit low fades, medium fades, like all the windows. And if I'm able to do that now, let's say I'm not doing it every time. Well, there's, there's a point to where, when you talk about like, is is it going to work the whole time? It's if, if I can do it and I see it and it feels right, my body mechanics feel right. It comes out in the right window. It's the right number. You know, all of it makes sense in my head from there. It goes from, okay, now I know how to do this. Now I just got to put the reps in. And that pretty much is the, the track I've always had on, on, um, on how to improve in the game is, is first off getting a plan together, getting the right ingredients because your, you know, medicine that you need uh, one month from the next may be different. You know, it kind of always changes, but for instance, when we're talking about a wholesale change and when guys go to new teachers and they get all these, this new information and they're trying to sort it in their heads and, and that now let's say they had one or two swing thoughts and now they have five or six Um, and they go to try to do all of these things that their coach is selling them and it may work, but it has to get eventually narrowed down to where, uh, first off, you got to be able to put the reps in. It's got to make sense in your head. It's like, okay, can we simplify this down? Because right now it's just information overload, which is where in your head, probably you're thinking, wow, wouldn't that be really hard for somebody to, to change 
something so crazy, but really it's, it's, it's vital to sometimes somebody that's really struggling to totally change it up and have a totally new experience. And, and when I think about this in a grander scheme of, of how many players have been successful with that, it's it, really, when you look at Tiger Woods and how many different coaches that he went through and how many reps he put in and still was able to, to be as good as he was just tells you how good he was because I've been through it and I just have no clue how he was able to have all this different information and be able to make it work. Um, because not many people would be able to do that, but, uh, he's a goat for a reason. Yeah. Without a doubt. And, and I think what you're saying does make a ton of sense. At least it helps me understand it where it's like, Hey, it's nice to kind of get a change in a new feel, um, you know, but let's take it for a test drive. Let's go through the entire shot tree and all the things that I have to do in competition and see if it still works for all those things. And if it does great. Okay. Well then yeah. now let's go try it in competition and see if it still works there. But, um, but I mean, regardless, uh, I mean, an amazing performance by Lucas Glover this week. And I think the, the loser in this situation, of course, you know, the, the biggest name is, is Justin Thomas, which we've covered a little bit on this podcast. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that moved on that FedEx Cup playoff standings, but the big one was Lucas Glover jumping from 112th in the FedEx Cup uh, playoff standings and, and out, out of the playoffs uh, to 49th, 63 spots up and into the playoffs with the win. So just kind of going back and looking at JT's weekend, you know, finishing just one spot out of the playoffs. And we saw, man, we saw it all on 18. It was like such a culmination of emotion that big hooky hit around the corner and the, you know, the, the kind of spinning body and running out of see where it ended up. And then uh, a, a pitch shot that he almost, you know, makes, and then just kind of collapses, you know, in in a pile of emotion there, you know, uh, just short of the green and, and just almost got it done. You know, but you look at kind of the way he finished that week, you know, shooting after an opening round 70 shoots a 65, a 66 and a 68. And I don't know, like, I'm just not sure that that's all bad. I think if that, if you're Zach Johnson, you're, 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 I mean, okay. The, the playoffs are obviously off the board right now, but what's the next thing for him, you know, Ryder cup. And so, you know, if I'm Zach Johnson, I'm looking at, it, it's like, that's, he's showing me what I want to see out of him. Even if he didn't get there to the playoffs, like that's something, um, do you view it in the same way? I mean, I know you see the disappointment I'm making the playoffs, but how do you assess the week that JT had? You know, I thought he did everything that um, that he set out to do without, you know, ultimately getting the job done. I thought he had some very poor breaks coming down the stretch, not only mm -hmm. for him, but really I'm sitting here looking at the leaderboard and Charlie Hoffman makes an albatross on the 15th yeah. hole and he ends up tying JT. So there's one guy that kind of snuck in there, but what too that he had an issue with is he got put on the clock with four or five holes left mm -hmm. and the group behind him wasn't ever even waiting. So he's dealing with that. And then that, that entire front that caused the rain delay, he's finishing up. All the players are dealing with that as well, but he did happen to make a bogey with a gust wind where when we talk about the guys who finished later, um, they didn't play in any wind. It was dead calm. So kind of tough for him. And the fact that maybe if everybody was playing in the same conditions, um, he may have held up because I see like my man post JT post and finished, um, 
he finished three under on his last five holes. Just another guy that kind of snuck um, or just, I say snuck in there, bumped JT out really because it, it was so close for so long. And, um, you know, it's a bummer, but I, I know he did everything. He probably felt like he could do on, on, especially on Sunday, you know, he grinded his, his tail off, uh, really just that putt on 14, but he made a huge putt on 15, that Eagle, uh, that Eagle just felt like, man, that's what I'm used to seeing from the guy, you know, just big moments coming mm-hmm. up big. And in regards to your question with the Ryder cup, I don't know. It stinks. in the fact that he doesn't get to keep making a case for himself because all the other guys are going to be able to um, kind of continue to build their resume and, and keep showing quality golf where Zach gets to continue to watch it. So Again, JT's going to need to dodge some bullets from guys not having big weeks. Uh, I don't know if it's going to come down to that, but in my head, if I were Zach, I just, first off, I wouldn't want to be Zach in this situation because (laughs) going into the year, this is just not a, even a question mark, whether JT was going to be on the Ryder cup because he's been your best player on all of these international teams for how many years now. And it just seemed like he was going to be the front running leader to get the Americans over the hump in Europe. And you just felt like going into the year didn't matter. JT was going to be playing your toughest match in the single session. And it doesn't matter who it is, who he's going up against, but that's the guy you want going into battle because first off, he's proven that he could do it. And second off, it's just, I mean, it's just the, the experience and that, and playing over there is is unlike any pressure that many people have felt. And he's had a chance to kind of live that experience and, and have some success in it. So in my head, I I just don't see how you just how you still don't take him. I, you know, I, I'm I'm with you in a lot of ways. I think it's like you're just looking for signs of life this week. And I think that, you know, now he gets to kind of go really grind and work on the parts of his game. Like, you know, to a certain degree, I imagine and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong. And from a tour player's perspective, but I'm sure there's stuff he wants to work on, but you're also in the middle of trying to make the FedEx cup playoffs. True, true. And, 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 it, and so it's like, now you get a couple of weeks to go and try to clean that stuff up. Um, you know, and, but, but also looking at the kind of the, the Ryder cup point standings that cuts off after the last playoff event. After Dude, it's BMW August 6th. Just a reminder. Yeah. It's August 6th, August 6th. September, I think it's September 28th or so is when the Ryder Cup starts. That's, I mean, who's who's who knows who's going to be in form uh, two then, months from now. But, but all, but again, though, like I think I forget the exact announce date uh, uh, the, for when Zach Johnson announced a team announces the team. I think he announces it after the tour championship, but I right. think the points cut off is after the BMW championship. So that's that's two weeks from now. That's two events from now, right? You're yep. saying do the BMW. So looking at this list now and and we had we had this much further down the 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 rundown but i think it's worth mentioning in this context is you know Bryson DeChambeau just shot a 58 in in the the live golf event at a former tour venue at the Greenbrier you know and, and say what you want about the competition you know like i i think that that's notable in some way shape or form so if you're looking at this list now and we have the six guys that are automatically in as of now which are Scheffler and Clark are actually already on the team they're already qualified and then you have Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley. Freddie Couples, an assistant captain. Okay, I know he's not the captain, but he told you pretty definitively last week that 
Homa, Max Homa, Cam Young, and Jordan Spieth should be on the team. So then here's the kind of pool of other guys out there that you could potentially consider. 10, 11, 12 are Keegan Bradley, Colin Morikawa, and Ricky Fowler. Then you got Sam Burns at 13. You got Justin Thomas at 14. You have Tony Finau at 19. Jeez, and also, also, also worth mentioning, Denny McCarthy, who's been hot of late at 15, a great putter, a guy who could, who could be a, an asset you know, for that team as a specialist. And then, you know, you have the live guys, you got DJ and, and Bryson who's rounding into some form right now. So, I mean, where is tough, dude? <laughs> it's, it's, so it's tough. I mean, what I know that Zach Johnson's not going to be looking just at these Ryder cup standings that he's going to be looking at a lot of different things. And these are very heavily weighted towards the majors, which is why yep. you see Brian Harmon and Wyndham Clark sitting at two, three these majors in a Ryder cup year are, are what got these guys so high up in these standings. So there's going to be different things that Zach Johnson's going to be looking at because we look at the top 10 in the FedEx cup and you see Tony Finau, uh, he was ninth heading into the week. I assume he's probably still right around there, but that's not reflective of where he is on the Ryder cup standing. So we got a guy that's sitting at 19, but he's ninth in the FedEx cup. It's like, hold on, that doesn't add up. So there is definitely going to be a lot of different things they look at as far as what are what are their actual standings they're looking at from the guys who are uh, not already qualified via the Ryder Cup um, standing. So in my head, yeah, it's just so difficult to make that decision um, if you're Zach Johnson. But goodness gracious, I just don't know who the heck you leave off. Um I mean, if it's me, you know, I don't know. Not that anyone's asking, but I mean, I think going over on foreign soil presents a unique challenge in terms of like really needing good team camaraderie and and being, you know, having guys that can play together and withstand, you know, the crowds over there. It's going to be a boisterous, you know, it's going to be a European crowd that wants to win this thing back. And so I'm looking at the guys on this board right now. And like, I feel like, like you I'm surprised take- he said about Cam Young. That kind of surprised me that Freddie That's, said that he's a lock. I, to me, that definitely he hasn't played me. his way into being a lock yet in my head. I, 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 I think the thing, if I'm like trying to make sense of what Freddie's saying there, it's it, it must be that they know that Cam Young is going to continue to develop as a player. And it's like you want to have this guy get some some form of experience for him in these events, play in the President's Cup last year, get him more experience. But didn't play setting. well. He didn't play yeah, well last year at the President's Cup. 100% right. And Freddie was an assistant on that team too. So we saw him play there probably as an insight into what type of guy he is in that team setting. But I I think like, and this is no disrespect to any of these guys, because as we're saying, there are a ton of great options, but I feel like you got to take Ricky given his current form. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the two other guys out there and I'm like, Hey, we talk, we're talking a lot about could Denny McCarthy be a putter specialist? You know, who's a really great putter, Sam Burns. You know who has a yeah. connection with on that team? The best guy on the roster, Scotty Scheffler. I want to play match play with him. I take Burns and I take I take JT to play with Spieth. I, I think it, it look, it's 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 tough luck for so you leaving rally. you leaving more cow off the team. I and, and this is no disrespect to Colin at all. He's an amazing ball striker. Um, but I think you know, the highest heights of his game were a couple of years ago. He's a he's his boss ball striking got a lot better again this year after a down year last year. But yeah. he's a guy who's a little bit of a shaky putter in some of those big, you know, big moments. And so no, you're, you're not wrong. You're not and, wrong. And I, I I just I think that if you're kind of 
picking between guys that are, you know, kind of further down that list and you're seeing the way you can combine them. Now, I know more Kawa could play with Homa. You can make that argument too. But I just think a guy like Burns is a good putter, you know, could be great in all shot format with, with Scotty and, and a guy like J2, who now, you know, I think it's a blessing in disguise. He, he goes out on a relative high note and gets some time to work on his game. I, I just think that that gives you it's a so really good shot. Way. It's crazy though. It's cruel to a lot of these guys. You know, what's really going to happen too in the playoffs is Denny's going to win. Sam Burns is going <laughs> to win and Colin Morcow is going to win. And it, the team yep. is and I, I really think if, if, if something like that were to happen, Zach's hand is forced. If guys show up and play and win and play good at the right times, it's there's nothing he can do about it. You know, it's just um well might might statistically be forced or you know, just on qualifying points. You know what I mean? Because if someone right. you know, if if any of those guys you listed wins one of those events, which will have elevated purses, and the whole point system is based on money one. If one of those guys vaults their way into the top six, and then you're bumping like a Xander or or a can't lay down, I mean, good lord, dude. I mean, it's just, it's going to be an insane, like if anyone below 12, you know, wins like, like to your point, if Denny wins one of those events, you know, Tony Finau wins one of those events. I mean, it's going to be total mayhem. So, I mean, I, I think it, it ultimately what you're talking about is a good problem to have because these are all good players. If they're winning, they're, they're in form, but it, it is, it's going to be, it's going to get intriguing. And it's like, it's one of those things where you talk about it every week but it continues to be an interesting topic every time you bring it up. Cause just the, the slight changes and form for all these guys. So one, one to keep an eye on for sure. No, absolutely. And, and you kind of touched on Bryson too. Yeah. I mean, the 58 is, um, you know, I, I, I don't watch a ton of live golf. I keep up with it on how guys play and, and for instance, what type of form they're in. Um, I've seen Bryson's uh, golf swing this year. And to me, it looks a lot tighter than it has in the last couple of years. It seems like he's starting to get some control back in his game. He's never, I don't think he played well at um, the sitting here looking at where he finished at the open championship, finished 60th. He's not a great links player. That hasn't been something that he's really excelled in, but finished 20th at the U S open and T fourth at the PGA. It's not like those are um, bad results by any stretch of the imagination. And, shot or missed the cut at his par 67 masters tournament. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> it's still that, that stick is never going to die with that one. But uh, Claire, Claire Rogers had a really good tweet about to, that, that today. I think she says something like the 58 is made that much more amazing by realizing it to be a 53 at Augusta national. <laughs> I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I quoted Wait, that exactly right. Did you know he made so bogey good. a bogey? Yes. Today? <laughs> I was just about to say that there are 13 birdies, no Eagles, by the way. Cause that's what, that's the first thing I looked at is, Oh, which hole did he Eagle? Cause he's a long hitter, 13 birdies and one bogey. I mean, can you I imagine mean, the, the scores were so low. So they, yeah. it just had to be just so soft and the, and four pars. <laughs> yeah. four pars. <laughs> I, I love the green bar. That was one of my yeah. favorite events to play uh, when it was still on the PGA tour, but yeah, dude, I, I don't think Bryson's going to make the team, but it's good to see him playing well. Again, it seems like he's kind of got his life uh, back in order, but like I said, I mean, it's just, it's going to be difficult for these live golf guys to, they really got to just separate themselves. The majors kind of like what, you know, Brooks winning um, at the PGA just basically solidified. If, if, if Bryson was a little bit more in the mix of the PGA, I know he finished fourth, but well, I guess he was in the mix. But now I think about it, he was pretty close, but I don't know. It's just tough, dude. It's just, 
It's just really difficult because none of the none of the team really probably wants any live guys on, you know, it's just right. Well, that that's, that's the one thing I think it's like, it's just the reality of the situation is like every time Zach Johnson has been asked about it, he, he initially was very kind of hard on the look. We're probably not going to take those guys, but the, the, the headline over everything has been, we're going to let the guys in that team room make decisions on those picks. We're going to go to those guys and get their input from our key sort of leaders or the guys who qualified. And if you're going to those guys, and they're saying we don't want that guy on the team, like, and, and you're yeah. not an automatic qualifier. It's just not going to happen. And so it works for a guy like Brooks Kepka, who is still really well liked on tour. Yeah, they, you know, they, you know the guys get along with Brooks. They get along yeah. with. I don't know if Cantley and Brooks get along very well uh, <laughs> anymore, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like even Dustin, yeah. guys would have loved to have Dustin on the 100%. team if he had a good year. Um, you know, I don't think guys are going to be calling Zach and say, "Dude, you got to get Bryson on the team." Um, I think there's probably enough of just the way he left the tour. Just, I think people kind of got tired of that. Um, I, I think he's changed a little bit since uh, he, mm-hmm. he was definitely, um, was kind of yelling as, as he was leaving, uh, the PGA tour. So I, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be, it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks. Well, just zooming out even further to two kind of other bigger picture news items on the tour in this last week. Um, the first one being Tiger Woods joining the PGA Tour Policy Board. And right. so the kind of the time on the events there were was about a, a week ago on Monday, uh, a group of more than 40 players led by Tiger delivered a, a letter to Jay Monahan that kind of just detailed a list of demands. And, you know, among things they're asking for, the, the biggest was, look, hey, we want more transparency here. We want more information here. And, and in that memo that, that Jay actually put out days before that, it was like one of the positions they were creating was a liaison of sorts to uh, to the players so that they could be up to date as much as possible on every piece of the negotiation between the PGA Tour and the PIF. So they delivered that sort of list of demands. And then they, they, one of the you know requests they made was to install tiger as a sixth player director on the PJ tour policy board. And that was of course announced this last week. And so I'm just curious as a guy who's had tour membership, it, th- 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 there's a little bit, and I, I'm still not even clear on this reporting where it, 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 a lot of places are saying it gives them a majority vote, but it isn't really a true majority vote because it's like, Six players, um, five of the non five non-player board members, and the sixth is like from the PGA of America, I believe. So it, it's I guess it all depends on how you view that in terms of how groups could potentially vote together. Where you know, will the PGA of America representative vote with the non-player board members? I don't know, but what they can do is in any instance, they could have at least six votes to counteract the other six votes and say, we're not, that's not going through unless we, we approve it. So um, that's how I understand it. And, and feel free people who are legal yeah. scholars understand it's better chime in on Twitter, Instagram, wherever else, and tell us we're wrong and tell us why we're wrong. But that's kind of how I understand it. And so I'm just curious as a guy, you know, has tour membership, you know, what do you think about tiger coming on and how does this sort of shift the way the tour looks in the future in terms of player input and control? You know, I think the players are going to, to me in my head is that they're starting to get control of their tour. And I feel tiger woods being added is such a, it's such a big deal because who's going to say to tiger woods of somebody from the board, like, Hey, no, you're, you're wrong on this. 
like and, and Tiger may be wrong on, on some things that can be debated between the group, but when Tiger and the group of players agree, like, hey, this is this is what we want to get done and it's fair, and this is what this is, or or on the other side of it, it's like, no, we do not want to do this. Like this is not in our best interests, and we think it would be bad for our tour. And Tiger's the one presenting that, or you know, it's approved by Tiger. To me, is it's just a, a step in the right direction, right? Because the way that whole thing went down, man, I think every single tour player is sitting in their head because the PR didn't start just then when it broke. It started a year before that, and none of the players got to tell Jay Monahan in the PGA tour, Hey, this is what we want our message to be with live golf. And really it was just a, it was just a, a shouting screaming match between two parties that, that the players just sat there like, Hey, like we don't know what's going on, but we <laughs> we're just uncertain about our future. And then all that crap comes out with the, you know, the framework stuff for the PIF. And now we're like, wait, who's our boss? <laughs> and it's like, wait, yeah. is this our tour? And I think now they having the right guys, uh, or at least just tiger in there, just to me, what has happened is all the adults are at the, at the table. Now mm -hmm. we have all of, all of the adults at the table that are going to be making the proper decisions for the tour as they move forward. And as they negotiate, between back and forth with sides, I'm told that they have somebody that they really trust and, and they feel like they're going to always end up with the best situation um, or deal that is best for the players. And just the fact that, you know, I, I know the guys that are, it was first off, it was really odd. The group of names that were listed that like mm -hmm. signed off on, like it was, a, it was an eclectic group of names. It, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like if, if my name would have been thrown in the last half of it, people wouldn't blink to eye because they're like, <laughs> it kind of fit in with a couple other names that just is like, okay, like I would have loved to say, I approved tire to be on the policy yeah, board. Yeah. <laughs> and we should, that would have been a great scoop for the podcast. Hey, listen, <laughs> we, uh, Smiley Kaufman signed this memo and sent it over. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it's, that is, it's, I, I agree with you largely on that. I think my view on this maybe differs ever so slightly, but I mean, I look at the last year or so, year plus on tour. And to me, um, you know, with the, with maybe the exception of this PGA tour PIF negotiation that kind of came out of, you know, left field, you know, at least from a player sense, but even, even embedded in that, what was the goal there? It was like to get more money to get it to the players because that's what the players are saying they want. And, and yes, a lot of that has to do with live, you know, coming onto the scene and paying, you know, guys to go over there and paying lar larger purses. But, you know, I think that in a lot of ways over the last year, like the goal has been to get more money into the tour by a lot of different means. And I think that, you know, I would say that, 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 you know, yes, yeah, sponsors have been prioritized, broadcast partners have been prioritized, you know, but players have been prioritized in a lot of ways too. I think the, the fans are really the ones who've suffered in a lot of different ways. Of course. Um, yeah. So the thing I think that is really good about this whole piece of tiger news is it, it, it makes the player input a lot clearer and a lot stronger, which is kind of what you're saying. Like this is zero disrespect to Rory McIlroy. 
Rory McIlroy is like also trying to play and like use the prime of his career to win events. And, and it's really, really tough for a guy like that to be a kind of, you know, solidifying force. And I think that, you know, Rory probably in a lot of moments, there's some stuff that he said that maybe he would have, you know, like to say it differently or would have taken it back, you know, just because there were kind of highly charged emotional moments. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's just tough, the, the different directions he was being pulled with Tiger playing less now and commanding the unilateral respect of everybody on tour, the messaging from the player perspective gets a lot clearer. And I think that, you know, whether or not the things that Tiger ultimately, you know, conveys to Jay Monahan or the other, you know, non-player board members as to like what we want, whether that actually does represent every single desire of the various players on the tour, I think at the end of the day, the players are going to respect it and get behind it because it's Tiger. And so I, I just think that that just really helps a lot in terms of, you know, the 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 decision inputs. You know, it's like, hey, here's what the sponsors are saying, here's what our broadcast bar- partners are saying. And here's what the players are saying via Tiger. That's a very clear set of input. Now we can go and try to make a decision and, and do it in the best interest of the tour. Yeah, and I kind of want to follow up a question that you said that the fan is the person that has been losing the most in that. What, what do you mean by that? I, I just think that the fragmentation of the game has really been at the fans' expense, you know, and, and that's, and again, some of the stuff is like out of the control of the PGA Tour. But, you know, when, when the tour is getting watered down because – you know, a, a chunk of its best players are going over to a different tour. That's a, that's a tough, a tough thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that, that there are, you know, I don't want to like, you know, critique too heavily, you know, the, the broadcast partnerships that, that the tour has because they're doing it in a lot of ways to get money from a lot of different sources. So they can then right. pull that and deliver that back to players in terms of purses, but it's not the greatest experience there for the fan. Um, you know, the kind of bill of goods you're being sold with some of these events of this is why you care about it, you know, or why you should care about it. Like some of that stuff rings a little bit hollow now, like I, I, I couch all of that, you know, in a way that, that is trying to be as fair as I can to the tour, because I understand it's a very delicate time we're trying to navigate. But I think that, you know, what they've been trying to do is to serve all these other masters that are funneling money into the game, which makes a lot of sense, but kind of forgetting in some senses, like the fans are the lifeblood of the game here. And they're also spending a lot of money on this. And so how can we find a way to make this a better overall fan experience, whether that's viewing, whether that's going to tournaments where Mm -hmm. there are marquee stars there, you know, to me, I think that's one that they've kind of, you know, and and I think, you know, really clearer inputs lead to a better experience for the fan. Like tiger, no doubt knows the value of all those fans and building his brand value. Like I was like, this is just a, a totally anecdotal experience, but when I was at the PGA Tour Superstore the other day, tinkering around <laughs> with my with my broomstick putter, I was in one of the hitting bays, and there was a group of kids from the first tee that are there in a bay next to me. And every one of them, they'd hit a shot like, oh, that was, that was Tiger Woods. That was my Tiger shot. And it just blows my mind that a guy that's pushing 50, and, and these kids couldn't have been more than like elementary school, grade school age, still has such staying power with the, what are budding PGA Tour fans. So I just think Tiger's perspective in serving those types of, you know, the young fans, the fans that kind of grew up with him, the old fans is going to be really valuable and hopefully getting the place, getting the game back to a place where it kind of better serves its its largest customer base. Yeah, it's all very interesting. And you kind of mentioned the broadcast side. I've I've obviously got a um, a interest in that because I've, I'm, you know, that's, 
that's who's, you know, paying the bills for me. So, (laughs) you know, I do understand it from that side. It's like, you know, or, or the media rights, uh, too expensive for the networks where they feel like, Hey, I mean, these networks are in it to make money. Like let's, let's get real. They're going to put the best product they can possibly put together, but they're at what expense, right? You know, they have to, they got to make a profit. Yeah. Right. And if it's going to be uh track man presented by blah, it's like, you know, or if it's going to be one extra commercial in an hour, uh, I'm with you. I, they don't, you know, our producer or wh- whoever's producer, they, they don't want to show commercials. They want to show golf. They, exactly. it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a, it's a trickle down effect uh, from the top that it, it eventually squeezes everybody out. Um, so it'll be interesting, man. Like we kind of, we don't know what the tour is going to look like where I know that schedule comes out on Tuesday. I don't expect it to be some like wholesale change and stuff, but 2025 what, that we keep referring to, that's where things might get a little bit more interesting. Yeah. And let's, let's just hit on the schedule a little, little bit on the way out because, you know, it's just worth, worth mentioning, um, you know, some of the details have been leaked that will of course be confirmed, uh, on Tuesday, uh, August 8th, but, um, the, the, the kind of the rumored change in designated events has, has more or less been confirmed. Um, the, the AT&T Pebble beach pro-am now becomes a designated event. I actually think the brand is great. Of- I'm excited about that. Yeah, good. And, and, and by the way, that's a, that's a two round pro-am it's a, yeah. it's a smaller field and it's, they're just going to play pebble and spy for those first two rounds. Um, and I, I think it still is going to be a high value thing for sponsors. Um, but, I'm so yeah. for that because here's my thing on that event. It's, it's one of the coolest experiences that I had at playing on tour. Pebble beach is so cool. Spyglass is amazing. Amazing. And then Monterey, it's not going to be in the rotation anymore, but that was a really cool golf course, but man, they just haven't gotten the fields there. And yeah. it's because of where it's been placed on the calendar. It's like, you know what? The guys don't like the top players don't enjoy playing five and a half, six hour rounds. And they would rather just take the week off. And especially if you get a week where the weather's bad there, it's just not quite an enjoyable week, but there's nothing worse than when you take Pebble beach off and you're sitting at home and you turn on the TV and it's a perfect Pebble beach oh. week. You're just sitting there like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> like if I, if you told me as a kid that, that you would be eligible to play at Pebble beach in that event. And it's perfect. It's a perfect day at Pebble. And you decided, you know what? Not for me this week. I'm going to take this week off. It's like, it's just like, what? Right. Uh, well, but- and even and you had some really bad. I mean, at the time of the calendar, the weather can be bad, but even this week, I mean, playing, playing Cypress all week long and like foggy, misty, like mid fifties, low sixties, you're still like turning around and looking out at the Pacific ocean. You're like, this is just, this never, ever, ever gets old. And the sun peaks through and you're like, this is just one of the greatest places in the world where you can play golf. And so I, I totally agree with you in terms of just the, that one needs to feel important. And, and, and Hey, this is where you got to kind of credit the tour. If you're going to criticize the tour, you got to say, what the players say, we want shorter rounds and we want it to feel you know, kind of high profile. It's like, okay, we're going to make it a bigger purse. We're going to designate it. We're going to cut down the field size. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Then you, you flip it the other way for the fan experience. That was the most enjoyable Wyndham championship I've ever watched. Yeah. And the reason why was, and I think it'll continue to be that way. 70 spots is, I think it's the, I think it's the perfect sweet spot. Perfect. Totally I think it's the perfect sweet spot. It's, it really does separate 
what I would consider to be, you know, a, a seven out of 10 year. If you have a better than a seven out of 10 year, then or seven and above, then you should be making the playoffs. If you were just a little less of that, that's kind of where that 70 to hundred is. And, and I was looking at like, for instance, if it was been, if it would have been top 125 this week on uh, for Wyndham championship, who's in, who's out, it wouldn't have been close to the same amount of drama that we experienced this week in Greensboro. I was just, and even it made no sense to, I need to go look at these numbers, but 125 when I was playing typically was if you got somewhere around 375 to 400, 400 really was kind of your safeguard of like, okay, you're in the top 125. Right now, after the Wyndham Championship, that number's 292. Hmm. And it makes no sense to me why it's so less this year. Hmm. It's not that there were less events played when nothing's changed as far as the Mm -hmm. schedule and how many times these guys play. So that makes zero sense to me because so they still fill out the fields, but maybe they're not getting quite the same amount of players playing uh, certain events that it's a little top heavy Mm -hmm. in events and less guys are having the playing opportunities. And maybe that has a trickle down effect to that 292 number, which normally is, I, I thought unless they changed the way it's structured, which I don't think they have, that it was always around 350 to 400. And that's a huge jump. Yeah. The thing, the thing I, I really agree with you on there, uh, especially with the Wyndham this week, is like find a way to create some juice for these events that aren't high profile. And in cutting the playoff line down to 70, you create so much juice for a playing event. And then even looking next year at the schedule and, and saying, like, I think it's so smart that they said, listen, the WM Phoenix Open is going to be electric no matter what designation you give this event. So you stick that between the AT&T Pro-Am yeah, they don't care. and the They're Genesis. Like, They're going to go out. still showing up. So it's like you keep and you and you have a reason to care about it. So I, I think that that's the thing, you know, finding ways to and I think that's going to be a big challenge in terms of, you know, these these play events to the designated or the signature events, whatever we're calling them now. You know, that's how going back to what we're saying about creating a better fan experience. That's how you create some value there and some intrigue there and giving me a reason to want to tune in and watch because you're like, oh, wow, like this has like. All week long, all weekend long, we're we're out and just you know checking the lives, the projected standings for the FedEx. You know, is JT going to get in? Is he not? Is Adam going to get in? Is he not? Like that type of stuff is it gives you fan incentive. You know, it's like almost like you know a, a gambling thing, having money on something. Yeah. It, it makes guess, it makes it interesting. I guess what does not have that? To tell, live golf. <laughs> uh, can I can I give you a quick C1 Kim update that I've been tracking? <laughs> <laughs> Siwon Kim, uh, T46 this week, uh, one over par. Uh, Siwon Kim is now 105 over par for the season, and he is earning just shy of $12,000 uh, per shot over par for the season. He's made $1.23 million, $1.24 million on the season for shooting 105 over that par. Guy, that guy hit the lottery, man. He really did. I mean, he should he should be playing these events in a, in a mask with a with a big bag of loot on his bags. It's just highway robbery. Um, I did. I just want to on the schedule, just really hitting you real. I, I think we were talking about Tiger a little bit, and I think that his big impact here was because we got to talk about the cut no cut events, right? And so the 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 no cut events are going to be all the ones that Tiger did not want to have no cuts for. So 
the players, the Genesis, the Memorial, and the API, those will all have cuts. All those Tiger's kind of, a big cut guy. He, big he cut is guy. a Loves big proponent of the cut. And where some of the other top players now are 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 against they've they've been kind of sold this that players or fans won't show up if they can't promise that all the top people would be there. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, that's kind of ridiculous because you're going to be there yeah, <laughs> for the <right>. most part. <laughs> and when we're talking about cutting from a hundred, like these are 120 man fields for the most part, or they used to be, and I bet they're going to be, were they more like 80 now? Is that kind of where they settled in? I, I, I don't know the final numbers on that, but that was kind of the number that was being floated. And, and so for those events, those no cut events are going to be, of course, the century event, which by the way, they, they removed tournament of champions from that because it's not just champions. It's now lots of other people too. So <laughs> that's just going to be the century. And then uh, obviously the three FedEx cup playoff stops um, are, are not going to have cuts, but obviously they get cut down for the following week. Uh, and then in addition to that, the AT&T Pro-Am will not have a cut. You know, we just said the celebrity portion of that ends on Friday. Um, but also uh, the RBC Heritage, the Wells Fargo, and the Travelers, none of those events are going to have cuts this You've, next year. There's always been tiers on the tour, and I don't think we're going to experience anything like the tiers that we're about to have in 2024 because yeah. there was always a section of guys that were still in – for instance, Bay Hill in the Memorial in Hilton head. And you're thinking in your head, like, man, did they really play well enough to be in that event? You know, like what, what got them in to such a prestigious event, but next year, that's not going to be the case. You, when you're at these events, it's similar to the majors. It's like they earn their way into these events and are they going to be too small of a field? I, probably going to be just right for the most part. Um, but what it's going to really do it's going to make those open events um, for on the PGA tour. So freaking competitive 100%. And, and also so difficult to get into. I think the criteria for who can get in to these open events. I'm just hoping that the 30 new corn Ferry tour cards don't get squeezed out to where I hope every single one of those guys can get into every PGA tour open, open field event. That's 144 guys or whatever. Um, that should, uh, as a the policy board, if they're going to cut guys out and, in a sense, make guys play more of the open events, mm-hmm. like the they really deals. need to make sure that there's like a category that gets those guys in. Because what are we doing here if we can't get if we can't get these guys playing a full schedule that's like legitimately. Um, that they have a chance, you know, (laughs) I'm, I'm all for that. Like, and, and I think it's going to be such a good mix next year. Again, those events are going to have way more juice because it's going to be a bunch of young guys, hopefully like that, the rising stars, the up and comers, a lot of guys we saw play well this year who were young guys making their tour debuts. And you're going to have maybe Adam Scott and Billy Horschel and Shane Lowry and guys like that. These are going to be intriguing events on a number of different levels. So I think that, you know, so much of this is, you know, feels vague right now, feels like we're not quite sure what the level of organization is. They're trying to figure these things out on the fly. But I think as constructed and as intended, like I'm optimistic that this could be a better product this next year. And and kind of to your point, it is it does suffer a little bit from the from the reality that it could be sort of an interim year while we figure out 
how, where this deal nets out and what right. 2025 looks like. So that kind of is up in the air, but I at least will say that as a fan who still has to watch something next year. And for us who have to cover something on this podcast, it should be, it should have a little more intrigue next year. I think so. And I think it, it's gonna. We can debate it all all the way, um, so many different areas. But really, the world ranking too. Like, how do you how do you yeah. rank uh, one of these signature event fields versus, um, you know, just a TPC Craig Ranch Byron Nelson field that has a great field that they haven't gotten in the last couple of years, but now it's a it's a solid field. And how do you judge a guy that finishes tenth at Bay Hill versus a guy that finishes fifth? at the Byron Nelson, do they, who played better, who earned it more? It's just, where do we draw the line of, of where these fields stack up against each other? Because there might be a guy who finishes 25th in all the signature events and, and really doesn't have the same type of points as a guy who let's say finishes second in one open or two or finishes second in, and and tenth in an open field event, and now he's ahead of a guy who's finished, you know, top twenty five in every signature event he's played in. Uh, it's going to be tough to like kind of figure out which is obviously signature events better, but how much more of a jump do these guys get as far as world ranking points and um, uh, FedEx Cup points? It, it it will be, and these are things again. There are a lot of things to iron out here because things are changing quickly there are naturally going to be sort of unintended consequences of, Oh wait, we didn't necessarily think that one all the way out. But I mean, the hope is like, and it has to be like, Hey, they're, they're going to try to just keep working through this type of stuff. And hopefully with input from guys like tiger and others in a, in a, in a more organized policy board, we get there. So, I mean, wait, did you see what Phil said? I did. Dude, I it was kind of, I think it was good. It was good to see Phil have positivity. <laughs> right, like right, I, even right. though it was like somewhat sarcastic, it still was like, finally, you guys are doing like taking a step in the right direction. Yeah. And this I, is, I think, I think, I think Phil has, you know, it was kind of a little bit of like, Hey, I'm not just, I'm not just a Homer for live. Like really what all Phil ever wanted was more player power. And yes. so th- this is kind of, he, he's, he's, you know, staying money. true to kind of, I think and, money too. <laughs> a lot of money. yeah, player power as a means to making a ton of money, but no, I mean, you know, look, I, you know, again, I, I think, uh, Phil is a very complex individual in a, in a lot of different ways. Um, and I don't necessarily love, uh, everything or even most of the things that he said. Um, but I do think here it's like, Hey, good for you for being able to say, that's something good the tour did. And uh, that's kind of what we were asking for. And I, I think that's especially important if whatever this new entity is, new co, however this shakes out, it's good to have a guy like Phil that's that if you, you fold him back into this new tour, you know, saying, okay, cool. Like I'm more on board right. with what's happening here. So I think that's good. So, I mean, man, if big news week again, I'm sure it's going to be more. There's, coming. there's so point. much more I can get into. Oh and kind of my parting thought i i would yes, i would please, kind I of say and this is kind of a conversation that's been ongoing about the rollback and kind of where we stand on it is is uh is taking the driver and and bringing yep. it back a little bit making it a little tougher to hit and i saw this tweet from the fried egg and i thought it was uh i thought it was yes fascinating. it was a quote about <laughs> bryson and he said the drivers oh. is definitely, I don't want to say too much. It's fantastic for anyone that's over 175 ball speed. 
ever since I put this driver into play, it's not been really my golf swing. It's just hit on the toe, hit it on the heel. Everything comes back down the middle of the fairway. And I'm like, all right, let's go pick up the tee and let's go. The driver has been really nice. It's allowed me to have some time to myself after rounds, instead of going and working my butt off all the time. <laughs> and Bryson, Bryson, first thing, all, things you don't say out loud. Like, yeah, please like just that's kind of the argument. It's like, and Adam Scott said it best. So we'll keep harping on what he yeah. said, which was when guys get nervous. Now they go to the driver because it's the most forgiving club in the bag. So that's just kind of my parting thought. And then dude, there was a, there was one great tweet um, that replied to this and it said, just imagine blocky with Roy's driving and Bryce's driver. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I was laughing so hard, man. Top 10 in the world, maybe top five in the world. I mean, who's to say it would, it would be, it would, it would really wouldn't be fair. You'd be in every signature event next season. That's amazing. Yeah, I know that's, I mean, that's one that's ongoing. And I think that, you know, that this is the state of golf today. There's just, there's never a dull moment. So that continues next week with uh, the FedEx St. Jude, the first week of the playoffs, which we'll be back here recapping next week. We'll have an interview here on Thursday. Um, but that is all for us. And the this schedule week. Tuesday as well. So we'll, that's right, the schedule we'll, kinda, we'll break down that schedule. That's I'm excited to see who from the Ryder cup stands out as far as who's going to, is it going to be Tony Finau? Who's going to be the guy yeah. that says, you know what, Zach, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to put you in a position where you can't not pick me. And there's a handful of guys that can easily play their way on the team. And I think there's some guys that can play their way out of the team in the next three weeks. So I'm, uh, I'm going to be watching to kind of see who's trending that direction and, and kind of who's going the other way. Yeah. What a time to be a golf nerd. Oh, Just yeah. does not get any better. Just can't does wait. not get any better. Can't can't wait. Can't wait for that. Can't wait to keep tinkering with my putter, among other things, and uh sending you videos. But uh that is all for us this week. Uh thanks for listening, and we'll see you here on Thursday. The Smiley Show is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.